Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Well, hey there. How's it going? I hope you're having a great week. And I mean, it's the middle of the week, so this is kind of a drag for a lot of us, but I hope that yours is going well. I'm super stoked about today's episode because we're talking about teachers, specifically teachers and educators and how they can start to get better financial advice around. I mean, their situations are different. You know, we all have unique jobs. We all have unique situations. So this episode's going to be speaking to the teacher in your life that you know, or if you're a teacher, then this is for you. Do me the biggest favor though. Let me know that you're listening in. This helps the podcast so, so dang much. If you take a screenshot and you tag it on Instagram, so tag me, I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. I'd love to hang out with you on Instagram and see who's tuning in. It totally means the world to me and it helps this podcast get in front of a lot more people. Okay, let's dive into my favorite segment of this entire podcast, which is our hashtag money wins. This week's money win comes from Megan. Megan said, we finally paid off our car. Last payment went through and we are officially driving a paid for car. Feels great. Hashtag money win. Megan, congratulations to you and all of your success. That is so dang cool to be driving a paid for car. Man, guys, it feels different. I'm not going to lie. It really does feel very, very different. So I think that's incredible. Not to mention, think about all the cash flow that you save by not having to make that monthly car payment. Now, little tip, Megan, if you're smart, keep pretending like you have that car payment and use that money and start to build up another car fund or try to pay off other debts if that's one of your goals. I'm not sure what your financial situation is, but pay off those debts and then keep pretending to make that car payment. So when your car officially either dies or you're ready for something different, you have that little savings account. So it's a small thing, but it goes a really, really long way. Again, congrats to you and your money win. I am so crazy proud of you. Okay, quick question. Did you catch last week's episode with Paige? I thought it was a really good conversation, and I actually think that this week's conversation flows very, very beautifully in it together. So Paige talked a lot about how to use your 20s as a financial foundation and how to build up your budget and your savings and investing and all of that different stuff. And then this week, Brianna is going to go into a little bit more of the weeds of how do you actually talk with a financial advisor? How do you start to get your ratios, your, your expense ratios in check? How do you know what the fees are? We talk a lot about that piece of it. And so it's a little bit more in depth, but I highly recommend listening to both of these together because I think it gives you a really broad perspective of what could happen in your financial life. So super, super important. All right, let's talk a little bit about Brianna. She is a certified financial planner and owner of the fee-only firm Wealth of Confidence. The cool thing is she was listed as an Investopedia Top 100 Advisor in 2019, which is such an honor. I think that's so cool. Brianna became a financial planner due to her love of money-saving strategy and desire to help others. When she was meeting with teachers, she realized that this group is actually really underserved and teachers are often preyed upon. So she became obsessed with creating change for them. Her passion and frustration for our current system led to the creation of her own podcast called One Million Apples, where her goal is to give out financial information, guidance, and to protect teachers and give you some fun, interesting stories from guests. It's super cool. I'm a big fan of her podcast and all of the work that she's doing. Okay, in this episode, here's what you're going to be learning about. We are going to go into detail about unique financial struggles that teachers face and how that's different than the normal nine to five grind. We talk about Brianna's going against the grain approach to financial advice, how she personally changed her mindset on money. We talk a little bit about being a fee only advisor and a business owner and what that means for her. We talk about student loans and investment advice for newly graduated educators, a word of caution for teachers seeking financial advice, and some questions to ask your financial planner to see if you jam well together, you know, see if they're the peanut butter to your jelly. Is that cheesy? Probably. That's okay. All right. All of this and so much more. Guys, I think you're going to get a ton out of this episode, and I'm really stoked to introduce you to my friend, Brianna Reich. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm joined by one of my new friends, Brianna Reich from One Million Apples Podcast. Brianna, thank you so much for hanging out. Of course, I'm so excited. I'm excited too. I love what you're working on. So tell us a little bit about how do you describe yourself today? How do you introduce yourself to a stranger? Okay, now I'm really bad at this, but um, the idea is that I love to teach teachers about money and 
I do podcasting. I am a uh, fee-only financial planning firm owner, but that segued into a passion project, which is One Million Apples. And so um, my job is just to help people with their money, especially teachers, because that's where my heart is and that's what I'm really good at and call it a niche, what have you specialty, but um, it's it's a lot of fun. So podcaster, firm owner, all that good stuff. Okay. So why the focus on teachers? Is that like near and dear to your heart? Do you have somebody in your family that was a teacher? Um, I'll give you the quickest version I possibly can. Knowing I wanted to help somebody is why help people is why I went into planning, not knowing how that would go is like a whole nother thing. And so as I went along, I just paid attention to the people that I felt like were underserved or needed the most help. And I found it extremely frustrating every time an educator would come through the door and there would be this stack of product and for no reason. And just because, you know, you could kind of start putting the dots together and realize that a lot of it had to do with money and the money people were making off of these products and not necessarily for the teachers and the teachers weren't really receiving the education about it. It was more of you need this. This is why. And sometimes deceptive practices. And it just was so frustrating. It would make my blood boil. It, 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 I was really upset and I would try not to show that to the people sitting in front of me, but I thought there's got to be something we can do. Um, you know, and what is that? I don't know. So I started going on Twitter and, and kind of putting out my opinions about it and people were responding and saying, we're seeing the same thing. And, um, so what happened was I was getting really frustrated on Twitter and I internalize a lot of things. I, I think I'm somewhat of an empath. I internalize a lot. And so I realized that I can either be mad and be vocal about it on Twitter, which does kind of create a change, or I can do something positive. And somebody said to me, go grassroots. That's something that you can change today versus trying to reform a system. You may never do that in your lifetime. So the podcast is how that all happened. And I just jumped into learning everything about the education system and the retirement systems and and all of that. So I'm not a teacher and I never pretend that I ever was one. Um, it just really is truly out of the desire to help somebody that really needed it. I love this. So the name 1 million apples, where did that come from? What's the inspiration behind it? Um, this is so crazy. You know, that big, hairy, audacious goal or whatever you call that. Um, I was looking online. I saw that there's about the statistic is about four to 5 million educators in K through 12 and higher ed in the U S. And so I thought, wouldn't it be insane if somehow we could get information to 1 million? And that doesn't mean I directly speak to somebody, but maybe something I say goes to somebody, goes to somebody, goes to somebody, you know, so that would be crazy. Right. But and then, I don't know, just one million sounded fun. So it just kind of, it just, I don't know, just kind of worked it's out. It's catchy, and it though. Thank you. Thank you. And also, I mean, I don't know, wouldn't it be cool if you had like a million dollars to retire with too or something like that? So Heck it's just yeah. kind of all around, right? <laughs> I love this. I love this. Yeah. So when you're yeah. when you're talking with teachers specifically, I've came across a few as a financial coach too, and I see that they do have different struggles. But what is it that you're seeing? What What's different about a teacher's financial situation versus the average Joe? Well, okay. First off, uh, this might, you're kind of talking about more in coaching and I might go to more of their retirement systems. So yeah. we could always, we can circle around and go around. But um, one thing that is very different about teachers and their money versus somebody that works in a company that has a 401k if you work in a company, if you have a 401k, they're regulated and there's rules and they're called ERISA and we won't go down that whole path. But the point is, is that somebody's responsible and they have to look out for the best interest of their employees when they establish these plans. But teachers don't have that same thing. And so what happens is, especially in the state of California, in Texas, there's a lot of other states, teachers have 20 different options for a 403b plan. That's their equivalent of the 401k. So there is criteria that these companies have to follow in terms of they have to have good, you know, financial standing, et cetera. But even in Texas right now, they kind of lifted some of the fees, the fee levels for these plans. And so the amount that is charged on these are just can be astronomical. The who's allowed to pitch this stuff is less regulated. I mean, it, it just really has opened the door for a ton of, um, uh, competition, a lot of weird practices, deception, because it has become somewhat of a money grab. And so that's the difference is a 401k person might have more protections than teachers do mm -hmm. in terms of retirement plans. So that's one of the big differences. Um, there's more. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's obviously programs that are available to teachers like student loan forgiveness. Um, sometimes savings accounts are available to educators with higher yields. So there are different little things. Obviously, if you're a 10 pay, 11 pay or 12 pay, that's usually different than normal, you know, people in the, you know, p- uh, private sector. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of differences. Yeah, that's it's so true, too. And I see a lot of times it's a lot of the earning potential gets very capped. And you mentioned the different levels. And that's I mean, that's kind of crappy. And that's kind of the system that we're in. So I like that you're focusing on how do you work within this system, but still optimize and hit your financial goals. Like, yes, you have some limitations, we all do in some ways, but that doesn't have to hold you back. So I love that focus. I think that's really interesting. Right. And you, you're right. The the earning is something I didn't even touch on either. Sorry, is that, yes, there's you might start off lower eventually, depending upon your district and where you're located. You might be able to move up over a certain amount of time. But um, the retirement end of it is some pay into Social Security, some don't. Mm-hmm. So some are surprised when all of a sudden they get told, by the way, you're not going to get Social Security, but you get your pension. So mm-hmm. it just it, it, there is a lot of differences. I love it. So how do how do people find you? What, what's the best way that they initially come into your world? Um, well, so when I opened my firm, people were just looking for somebody fee only. So they wanted, well, they didn't call it fee only. The hot, the hot word is fiduciary or some people call us fee based, which actually there's a huge difference, but that's just, you know, terms that people know. Um, people were looking for third party advice because there just isn't a lot of it showing up on campus or at the career days for teachers. And, um, so people usually go online, do a little search. They know they're supposed to look for something like that. Usually they'll hit NAPFA, which is an association for fee only planners. So that's how they find me. Usually I'm also on, um, groups like 403 BYs, which has gone, which is a really good tool, by the way, everyone should check this out. If you're an educator, um, they, they have information for teachers, but, and they do some reform and financial literacy and they've actually just gone nonprofit. So they removed their, they used to have a directory of all of us that vowed to be fiduciaries fee only. Um, and we work with teachers that used to be on there. It's not on there. We're in talks of maybe doing something with that. So it doesn't, you don't lose that. If you're a teacher, you don't use that tool. Um, but those are the main ways that people find me and now referrals and also the podcast people know like, okay, you know, this stuff, um, you know, and you're not trying to sell me a bunch of stuff. So that's yeah, huge. So that's, I think, yeah. it's, I, I love that you niche down to or niche, whatever you want to call it. I, <laughs> what, what do you, is it, do you say niche or niche? Uh, I think I say niche. I say specialize. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to use them all, I guess. Or this is just, I kind of just say, this is what I know. I, I'm not very uh, technical with the words. I know. When I get into my Idaho roots, I'm like, let's niche down, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. I know. So I love that you did that though, because that's so smart from a business perspective and just from a way for people to find you that pathway where they know if I go to Brianna, this is the type of support I can get. So I think that's really cool with your business. Can you work with people literally all across the U S or is it specific States? Yeah, I can. Um, one thing to know though, is obviously educators uh, have different districts, literally the district, a town over is different than the one in the town I'm in. So I know what to look for. I know the path to go. I know what we need to keep our eye out for. I know the jargon, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, but yes, virtual is definitely a thing we can do. And we do we work with people in Northern California. I'm in Southern California, if anyone's wondering. Um, but we work with people in Northern California and in different States and it's, it's a lot of fun. As long as we can get access to stuff and you help us do that, then we can do it. Very cool. Tell me a little bit about what got you into financial planning and that advising section. Like, how did you end up where you are today? Yeah, uh, I'll try to keep this short. Again, I'm really bad at this. Uh, Let's just say that when my mom walked me into a bank when I was young, I was like, this is really cool. And so (laughs) I was always, um, I was just always kind of interested. One, I just come from a family of givers and helpers. And so my mom went into nursing. She's now opening a shop to help people with stuff. My grandmother was a social worker. I mean, I just come from those people. And so I just knew something, it has to be something. Nursing wasn't for me. If you've heard my story before, it's like blood isn't my thing. So I went the money route because I love navigating my own. And I thought, gosh, if I like doing this, I can probably help other people do it. I didn't know that personal finance was a thing. Like I, <laughs> I thought the way you had to do this was financial planning. Yep. Um, I learned a lot along the way and realized the things I didn't want to be involved in and the things that I did. And so I've always said, I've been a little bit against the grain and a lot of people call me crazy. 
Um, but I kind of like to do planning in the more progressive sense that we're seeing a lot more now, which is the fee only and focusing really on strategy and planning and not 100% on your investments. Yes, it's important, but that's not all there is to your life. And you can say that's what you do, but then there's actually doing it. And then you talk about the investment stuff later. Like I, I just love the strategy and how we can save more money and, you know, find, find little ways to save and protect and et cetera. And so that's just, I don't know. I just, I really do geek out on it. And you, you know, this is for you when you love digging through like someone's files and reading through their, their documents and finding something and going, Oh, check that out. We can fix that. And that's <laughs> going like, to make great. your life better. They're like, okay, cool. I'm happy you like reading that. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, but I love that stuff. It just, it it gets me to wake up every day. You know, it's exciting. That's so cool. So when you were a kid, how was money talked about? It sounds like it was at least part of the conversation. They were taking it to the bank, maybe? Yeah, my mom took me to the bank. Um, Gosh, you know, we didn't have a lot. And so what we had had to spread. And so I kind of came from the um, frugal mindset. I will be honest. Um, when we were younger, you know, it was thought of as, oh, well, people that have nice things, you know, must be nice or, you know, that type of thing. And so it was kind of hard to, um, work my mindset away from that and not think of money as a terrible thing necessarily, but a tool. Um, so it's been interesting. It's been interesting working through my own money, you know, theories and bias and all that stuff. But, you know, it was talked about, but we didn't have a lot to utilize as a tool. So I can't tell you why exactly I love this, but I just realized that, you know, we worked with what we had and we made it work. And so I realized that that's kind of what you have to do is like, you, you can take this and blow it, or we can take this and make something with it. And so that just stuck with me. I love that. That's amazing. So you're, you're hitting on a couple of key points that I want to dive into a little bit more. And that's that whole mindset and how that has impacted you. So going from almost that place of scarcity, like, oh, would be nice, comes from a place of therefore other people can't have the same things because of different scenarios. How'd you break through that mindset? That's huge. Uh, you know what? I don't really have a good answer for that. I, um, it just, I realize now as a business owner and knowing how hard I have to work, like I realize that you, if you work hard and you make money, that doesn't make you a bad person. Um, if you're, you know, and not that you're obligated to give back, but if you're giving back and, and, and doing something with it in the community or, you know, and, and my version is the podcasting or, you know, giving my children a good life or I don't know. I, I just feel like if you're not just, I don't know how to answer that, but I don't feel like you're, you're bad if you have it, you know, and, you know, and I don't feel like you're bad if you don't, you know, I just, it just took some time to realize that some people really work hard for that and it's okay and they can have it. And if they're being diligent with it and making good choices with it, then it's not a bad thing. You know, you can have the nice car, you know, it just, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that, but I think, I think you're spot on though. It seems like too, the more you get into business and self-development, it's not like a one thing. It's not, Oh, I read this one book that shifted my entire life. It's never that it's like that combination of things. So I think it's always interesting what was leading you to where you are today. When you launched your business and you went out on your own, tell me about the emotional process you went through on that. Oh my gosh. Um, well, let me think. I'm trying to actually go back to that moment. Um, I remember the day I walked out of my old office, I went home and I cried and I hugged my kids. And I said, I'm going to be here for you now. And that was just such a big deal for me. Now they're looking at me. They're like, what, what were they like three and five? And they're like, you're nuts. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you know? mom. What's yeah. wrong with mom? You know, <laughs> and I just remember that being a thing. Cause that was one of the big goal items for me was to be a little bit more available. And so that was really huge. Um, I, Oh gosh, I felt like a weight lifted and also a weight put on my shoulders all at the same time because I had never done this by myself. And yes, I always had all these ideas like, Oh, this is how you make it better. Now as a business owner, I know how I would should have been quiet and <laughs> you know, maybe it is harder than I think it is, you know? So, um, it, it wasn't 
easy, easy, but we just, my family had my back. I could feel it. I knew it. And I knew this was the right path to go. And I really believed in going fee only. And I really believed in what I was doing. Um, at the time, I'll be honest, I opened thinking I was going to open a uh, women's firm. Oh, cool. I really did because I just thought in my community that wasn't really there and we need something like that. But then what happened was the people that were coming in, yes, still were majority women, were teachers or public um, employees. So hmm. that's when I really just dug my heels in and said, it doesn't have to be just women. It can be this, this job, this profession, awesome. and we can really go from there. So, um, I don't know. I just, it was awesome and scary everything at once. And before I used to get super excited and feel like elated and excited. And at that point I felt like a little numb. Cause I'm like, I don't know how to feel cause I've never been here before. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I'm totally with you. I remember the day that I quit my full-time job. I same thing. I got out to my car and I cried. I'm like, I should be so happy. But I was like, part of me was scared shitless. If I'm being really honest, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> what's going to happen. And then the other part of me was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. But yeah, it's a lot of mixed emotions for a financial planning business. I've always been curious about this. Is there like a certain amount of time? Is it like three years of being in business before you can officially start to, I guess, eat more than just ramen or whatever they say? Uh, it's so different depending upon the person. I've been doing this for 11 years, but I am not a salesperson. Like I do not hit the town, go networking, go crazy and build up a, what they, what everyone calls a book of business, but you know, clientele and, and relationships. I am just like, so, Hey, let's hang out. If you want to work with me, you do. If you don't, you don't. I don't talk about this at barbecues. Yeah. I literally like my personal life to just be hanging out personal life. I'm just not that person that's just wheel and dealing all the time. So I came into this with a almost, almost clean slate. Mm -hmm. Then, um, my whole vow was to still be somewhat of a present mom, but take good care of clients. So I, um, hired a wonderful operations manager way earlier than most people ever would. Um, so I think it really depends. Some people don't do that and they're a solo show forever and that's great. Um, but for our, you know, family goals and what we wanted to do, it isn't. So I, I think, I think the benchmark is three-ish years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it just, it just completely depends. I, it's so across the board. Yeah. I, I yeah. hear that too. I always hear three to five years before it's like really, really making sense. So it's always so interesting, but I, You're I think trying to find that. yourself. You're trying to find yeah. yourself who you want to work with, um, what you love doing. And then also, um, people don't really know who you are. If you're fresh, you know, they don't really sure. know who you are. Or for me, I was opening a new business. So for some people that's fresh, you know, even though they know I do this, will she be around, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, that's a whole nother thing. So I think then the, then it does kind of snowball a little bit. Like if you do a good job for somebody, then they tell somebody. True. So then you do start doing better and better. And also you figure out your processes and your pricing and, and all of that good stuff. So yeah, it seems the hardest. It's so difficult. Oh yeah. Especially when you're saying I'm going to make this accessible, accessible to people that, um, others are saying this doesn't work for, I know, which, which not, which just kills me. I believe that there's a way we've got to figure it out. There's got to be a way and I won't let it go. I love that. So, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of with you on that too. I, I'm always trying to figure out like, how do you still bring that personalization with affordability? And yeah. it, it is tough. I think that's very difficult. So if you have a teacher that comes to you and maybe they are fresh out of college, they're just getting into their career. They're super stoked to get started they're looking at their life. They've got a ton of student loans. They're just getting going. How would you advise them? Like, what are some questions that you would ask them that maybe they can do a little bit of like self-coaching or self-planning so they can yeah. at least get started? Okay. So some things are very, um, generic, you know, like blanket advice that most people would have, but basically, um, obviously we're going to look at the student loans and don't ever forget public student loan forgiveness. That's huge. So if you have the student loans, don't just rush off to refinance them because once you do, you literally take that off the table. Mm. So looking at public student loan forgiveness, but then also teachers have teacher student loan forgiveness. There's a specific one for teachers that work at certain types of schools and certain subjects, et cetera. There's a whole depth to that. So they can't go together. You got to do one at a time, whatever. Some states have their own special things as well. So if you have student loans, definitely at least keep in the back of your mind, there's something you might be able to do with that. If nothing else, you don't have to go rush to it today, but definitely remember, don't just rush to refinance because you lock it in. 
Um, the other thing is obviously the emergency fund. We love a good emergency fund. Everyone loves a good emergency yeah. fund. What do you recommend? Um, how many months? Well, the the three to six, right? So it depends yeah. on who's who's involved, how many people, you know, all, all that stuff. So three to six. Uh, I love the the you know the whole thousand before you start knocking everything down. Ah, it just feels like a good number, or at least your your um, oh my gosh, your um. For your insurance, my brain oh, just died on me. Thank you. Yes, but totally usually that you. would cover it. Usually that would cover something like that. So I love something like that. Now for teachers, um, some have 11 or 10 pay uh, paychecks. So they get paid 10 months, but they live 12 months, right? We all live 12 months. So mm. um, definitely starting to really consider that in a budget and budgeting correctly for that. So basically holding aside some of your paycheck so that during the summer you don't get knocked upside the head because you don't have any money coming in because you live 12, you get paid 10. So spreading out the paychecks. I love, and I don't know what you like to use, but I love you need a budget for this type of thing because you can pull out all of your, you know, all of your goals and you can put in that amount as a goal amount and save every single month or every time money hits your account, you can put some money towards your summer program. Um, gosh, I'm kind of going all over across the don't, board. Don't they have a discount yeah. too for educators? You need a budget? I, you know what they might. And that's actually really good to know because I got their two months free for people. I can't take affiliate fees. So I literally just have two months free to give people that come into my office and I just hand it to them. So it's like, here you go. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah. So I get two months free. Some people might get more. So if you find more, let me know because I love to, get, I, I always say you need to budget at least, at least has a two month getting used to period. Yes. And I always apologize to people when I tell them to use it. Cause I know it's not, it's a mind shift, but it works. Um, I'm going to look into the educator though. But the other thing is the money that you have sitting there for summer, don't just have it sitting in a bank account that gets you 0.01% look for a higher yield savings for money that's just stagnant sitting there that you're not going to use for a while. So, um, there's accounts like ally obviously, but some teachers have good accounts at their credit union. So one locally here has a summer savers program. They pay 4% annually, but Whoa. there's a kick. Well, but you have to do the math, right? Because they only allow you to put in $2,000 a month. So you can sit there and set up a program where you automatically move over $2,000 a month. Then they kick it out during the summer then you got to start the program again. So got you're it. not getting, if you had 20,000 sitting there, you're not getting the four on the 20. You're, you're having it spread it's out. Right. Right. So it might be worth it. <laughs> it might be, you know, so I say, if you have a program like that, use that for their limit. And then you could always go to like an ally or Smart. equivalent high yield for additional. So those are some of the basics also on your benefits. Um, this is where I'm going to put on my protector cap and say, be, <laughs> totally. be careful about who you, uh, take advice for in terms of some of these, uh, financial product solutions in terms of your benefits with your employer. A lot of districts are required to have a certain percent of teachers sit down with people in order to offer you the free cafeteria plan. So basically uh -huh. if you want to get your flexible spending account, uh, you know, all that stuff, you have to sit down with people that might then also say, you need cancer insurance, you need life insurance, you oh, need this, no. but we can provide that to you. Huh. So be very careful about who you speak to about these things. Um, and if you do have high medical expenses, look at your FSA, the flexible spending account option. You, most districts have that available to teachers. They also have dependent care um, reimbursement. So there's a lot of cool stuff like that. And then I have one more thing. I'm so sorry. I have so many. This is like the for the beginners, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And this is. This is all stuff I would say. Like, you're new. Check this stuff out. Um, most educators come to me, and I don't blame anybody for this because I'm a busy mom and I love some convenience. Most educators come to me and say, I signed up for the 403B account because the person came to my classroom, fed me lunch, and made it convenient Ooh. and told me I should save right? Because we all are told we should save. Right. So, um, what I would tell you is this, the most convenient is usually the most expensive. Amen. And there's a reason. And it's because that person is, is driven to rush to your door and give you those cookies or that sandwich because they're getting something out of it. And so there usually are other options 
It does take you doing homework and I can give you some tools for that too, if you want them. Um, it does take you doing some homework. So I totally understand, but the thousands upon thousands of dollars you can save by doing that hour of homework is tremendous and so worth it. That's so, huge. So that's for definitely a beginner. I mean, obviously anyone in the profession at all, but if you're a beginner, you're literally talking about potential 30 years of savings that you're spending tons of money on. I mean, it's thousands. It's crazy. When you're looking at the fine print on some of those plans, and you mentioned earlier that some of the fees are really crazy, like what's a what's a crazy fee? Like how do we know if like 1% is too high, if 10% is too high? Like how do you decipher right. that? So I'll tell you this. This might not be answering this perfectly, but in some districts there are now plans that are like, I don't know, 40 to $60 a year for admin fee, not bad. The internal investment cost. So really quick, you have, there's a lot of different fees that could go into some of these. So it depends on which one you're looking at. If it's an annuity structure or like a mutual fund structure, it depends. But you have some come with commissions that can be 5.75% on the front end of every single dollar that you put into that account. Then what happens is, so that might be discussed inside of the account are your investments. The investments can have expenses up to 2% a year on mm. top of the 5.75 that you just did, you know, so that is hefty. That is really hefty, especially when you have ones that have really low, like I said, 40, $60 a year. And then the internal costs are 0.04 to 0.13. Oh my gosh. I mean, there, there's just not even a comparison, but, no. but one other little piece is, the, the commission and all that other stuff is meant to pay for a service. And some people forget that. That is supposed to come with a service. If you are paying that and you are getting a lot of service from somebody, then maybe it's deserved, okay? Maybe if they're going above and beyond and doing all this extra work for you, I know people that do this, so I'm not downing the system completely, then okay, fine. But if you're getting maybe a phone call a year or none, absolutely not. You go for that really inexpensive plan because that's what those fees are for. They're for service. They're for something. And if you're getting nothing, then why are you paying for it? That's right. So, you know, just because it's easy to show up one time with cookies to your classroom, if they're never coming back, they should <laughs> never get your money. That's so true. I love that you mentioned the cookies to the club because that's exactly how it goes. Or it's, um, God, I don't want to like pick on anybody specifically. So I'm going to steer clear of saying industries, yeah. but certain industries that prey on emotion and that kind of stuff, it's tough because we're sold in this emotional impact of, hey, I'm going to bring you a gift. So that's already the reciprocity. I feel you gave me something, therefore I should give you something in return. You took the time out of your day to come talk to me. So that's saying something. You really care about me. But I think you're right. You got to dig a little bit deeper and see what does that look like for the internal fees. So you mentioned the the, the fee when you make your investment. So that's the, the overall portfolio management fee. Sometimes there's that yearly fee associated. The fees within each of the investments within the account, how the heck do you find those? Okay. So in California, we have a really cool tool called 403bcompare.com. It's actually run via CalSTRS, which is the California uh, teacher retirement system, the pension system. So they provide that now. Sweet. It is specific to California, right? So the point is you go on there, you look for your district, you can look at the options within there. But what's kind of cool is a lot of these companies run the same no matter where they are. So I'm not saying this is perfect, but not many states have this tool. So what I would say is, first of all, go look, in what, go look at what your uh, district provides. So some districts will only have four options available. It just depends on the state, the district, et cetera. So look at your options if you have four and don't just go with the first one because sometimes there's one just like really nice and pretty up front, like dig and see if there's any more, dig through them all, look at the options. And then you can always try to go to 403bcompare.com to see what those cost. Usually it's pretty darn close. So you would get a really good idea. Yes, you can always go to the provider and ask them but you can imagine what their answers might be. Okay, so <laughs> I've actually run into people that said they literally couldn't help me dig through this. So it just really depends. Um, but basically, some of the things you're going to look for are, uh, so some of the terminology, commissions, that's going to be a cost that you're going to pay when you put your money in. A lot of time those can run anywhere, like I said, two point something to five point something per dollar. Um, for every dollar you put in, there's the internal investment cost. That's what each investment within the account 
costs individually. Usually you can go to their websites and look at the actual investments and see there should be a little number that shows you what that costs. Surrender charge, that's another word. So that is usually on the annuity structured 403Bs, what we call TSAs. Hmm. Um, that means if if you leave the contract within, some of them are six years, some of them are 10 years, then you lose out on some of the money you put in because they have to pay back what they paid the person that sold it to you. They have to pay back what they paid them. So that's there. So if you find out that this wasn't a right fit for you, that this should have never been in your portfolio, you should have never purchased this, that, that it's expensive, et cetera, et cetera, you're SOL. Hmm. unless because of that surrender, you can't leave until that surrenders up because it can be very expensive. Um, what other fees are there? There's like an annual flat fee. There's some of those as well. So those are some of the main ones to look for. But again, 43bcompare.com has a lot of that information. That's so so cool. even if you're not in California, you might still want to check it out. I can see this being very applicable. So we're talking about teachers and educators and anybody that's in the, the public government having the 403B. But this is also very applicable for 401ks as well. So I'm just thinking like the same exact process of understanding what are you putting your money into, even with the 401k of what are the fees associated there? The nice thing is with 401ks is nowadays they're supposed to actually provide this on a statement for you. So on your 401k, you can literally go to them and say, I want to see the list of investment options. Mm -hmm. And on that list will be the fees. It's pretty, it's a lot more transparent than the 403b system in K through 12 education. So it's, it's, there's a lot more transparency because of the protections and the rules. Like I said, ERISA is a type of rule and, and a lot. And so there are those things and it, it's a little bit easier, but yes, yes, you can apply some of that to that as well. That's so crazy that they would make it more complicated for educators. It might have it. to do with money. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Let's just put that out there. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, so that's another thing. And this is getting into a little bit of a controversy, but it has to be said. And, and this is where people might hate me or love me, whatever. I apologize to the teachers listening. Um, unfortunately it's sometimes about who, you know, so if somebody that sells these things knows somebody on campus and that person may not even know that this is a bad thing, they might let them on. They're sponsoring your lunches. If you're a teacher, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're there with the free lunches. They're there at the career days, et cetera. They're sponsoring those things because they do make money off of this stuff. And P.S. I charge a fee too. We all do. But my whole, like, my big, big, if I'm on a, you know, on my, or, you know, platform, I say red stamp your price on the front page of it and then we're cool. You know, but unfortunately, yeah. that's not how it works in the education system. Um, unfortunately, some people, the districts have their hands tied because they can't take the liability. And this is the extreme controversy. There are some endorsements in unions to keep some of these things there. I'm not anti-union. I think it's great that your union protects you. But you have to be careful where you're getting your advice from on this because money is being passed around in many different ways in this system. So you have to be very careful. That's why you use a tool like 403B Compare because it's supposed to be more third party. It No one's really getting paid to run to put somebody higher on the list than others, to have somebody right. in your face than another person. So um, it's a little bit more that third party. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Better information. So I had to be careful what I say. I, I know that not all are like this, but some are. And I've been, you learn a lot when you start doing this. <laughs> 11 years. <laughs> you I mean, learn you a probably lot. learned a ton. People message you behind the scenes and tell you a lot of things that they've seen. And it, there's a lot that goes on. So sucks. Um, there's a lot of big money involved and especially literally, and to prove my point on some of this stuff, no joke, you can go today and go type in online insurance for teachers. And there's forums where these people that sell this stuff talk about how to get in front of your face. And they talk about how they cheers over their commissions that they made off of you. I'm telling you, go look it up. Wow. It's there. It's public. It's online. Like I find this stuff all the time online. I'm like, this is insane. Freaking and Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's crazy. It is crazy. And, and they talk about the tactics used. Um, I even had a lady that I connected with via Facebook that was putting up ads. I asked her questions. She flat out lied to me. So this stuff happens. There's, but there's not, not everyone's bad, but there's True. bad players. There's bad players. And so that's my whole thing is how do we protect you by utilizing some of these sites by, you know, just try to work third party. Somebody yeah. that doesn't really get 
anything out of it because you have to do that due diligence in the educator space more than some others. I love that. So, so for teachers that are maybe they're listening, I mean, I, of course I'm biased. I think they should definitely work with you if they are oh. in that industry <laughs> and they're like, okay, help me figure this stuff out. But if they don't choose to go with you, what are some questions they should be asking a financial planner to make sure it's a good fit? Yeah. So, um, you know what, uh, you know, what site I love that has some really good questions. I'm telling you NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A.org. Huh. They have a good list of questions. Um, obviously we love people that have been doing this a while that are, um, I, I love a good certified financial planner, which is a CFP, mm-hmm. but there are some amazing people that don't have it. And then there's some not great people that have it. <laughs> so, True. <laughs> you, you know, it's nice to know that people got the designation and they sat through it and all that stuff. So that's really good. Fiduciary is really good. But what I'm about to tell you basically is don't take one piece, mush them together. So a fiduciary is good, but people use that term incorrectly. So what that means is they have to work in your best interest at all times. Another way to go is fee only. I know I keep singing the praises, but in the educator space, I really think that's something you need to look for. Fee based is completely different than fee only. So just try to burn the fee only word in your head when looking for people not fee based. Um, One just means that you can still do both. They're not bad. Yeah. One means that you mostly charge fees, but you can also do commissions. You can kind of switch your hat off and on. Fee only literally means that's all you can do. Does that mean that everyone's good and I, and all of them? No, you, you know, you have good and bad, but, um, you know, obviously how long have you been doing this? If they specialize in what you do, I think that your profession is so teachers have such a specific need and things that they go through with the pension credits, just so many things. Like I really think it's a good idea. It's like the medical profession. You can go to your physician, like your generalist. And then if you have, you need brain surgery, you're going to go to your brain surgeon. If you have cancer, you're going to go to your oncologist, you know? So I think there's a specific time and place to, to go use someone that knows what they're talking about with your profession. You teachers in Texas can miss out if someone doesn't understand how the ORP works with the social security system, they can miss out on thousands of dollars. And it's hard to find that information. It took me a long time. And like one guy wrote about it. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so I think that's really good advice, though. And then yeah, just saying too with financial coaches, because that, that's what I do. But I have to be really clear because I, I this is becoming a growing trend. And I'm just I want people to be aware of this financial coaches cannot tell you how to manage your investments. <laughs> that's not a legal thing. You cannot do that. So if you do come across financial coaches that will give you investment advice, run away. Just saying that now. It's yeah, not legally we're, liable. You know, the, the, the hoops we have to jump through to just give that tiny bit of investment advice is a lot. So it's, yeah, it's a lot. Um, I was going to say one more thing. Um, one of my biggest things, uh, just, um, a protection for educators, this happens in other places too. If somebody says to you, you don't pay me, my company does don't give them your business Hmm. because your money does pay them. You, you're, Somehow that, how does that company make money that pays that person to talk to you from something that you purchase? So yes, technically the company does cut the check, right? You don't cut the check to the person, the company cuts the check, but they're getting it from the thing that you put your money into. So that's a, that is a sales tactic that is used and it makes you believe, and that's what makes it, uh, I run into this a lot. People get scared to pay me because they think that financial advice is free because so many people utilize that te- that technique of you don't pay me, my company does. That's such a slimy one. Oh, it's it, but I, I you know it's funny. I know a good person that actually said that one time, and I go, well, I understand that technically your company does, but really it comes from the fees that's paid that are paid within the account or the lack of investment return that somebody receives. So they might cap your investment return. Or they might have the surrender on there. There's so many ways that that company makes the money to pay that person. Mm-hmm. And it all affects you. Right. So technically, you are paying for that in some way or another. Absolutely. So that's something I would say, um, how do you get paid? It's just so important. Um, and then if somebody says to you, you know, if the first thing to talk to you about is a product or an account or moving your money over or whatever, they're not doing planning for you. They're gathering something from you. So, um, you know, there's so much more to you than your account and your, 
you know, a product for you to purchase. How can I even bring up a product to you if I don't even know anything about you? Right. So, right. yeah, those are just some, um, I don't know, some of my little protectionism. No, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I really do appreciate that because I think a lot of people have a bad taste for financial professionals because they got burned or they knew somebody that got burned. But a lot of it's too. I mean, there's a little bit of personal responsibility here. If we're not asking the right questions, sometimes that's on us. We're probably going to get taken advantage of. So that's why I'm so glad that you shared all of those different pieces of what to look out for. Oh, can I, can I add one more thing? Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, that's um, the good. Other, the other one is what else can, what is another solution or what else can you offer? So, um, if you have, if all you have is a nail, everything, every solution is going to be a nail, right? So if I can only promote one thing, I'm only going to do that. Therefore there's, there might be a thousand that are amazing, mm-hmm. but I can only show you this one might not be the best way to go because nothing is one size fits all. And sometimes companies incentivize, like they'll take away somebody's, you know, health insurance because they're not pushing or selling enough of this one thing. And that is actually another thing that happens in this space as well. Is oh that my gosh. they're, yeah, very incentivized vacations, um, benefits are incentivized. So, um, these are things that are, go on behind the scenes that you will never see when somebody shows up at your classroom. There's a reason why that one thing might be pushed today. Um, it's because there's a quota that has to be hit in order to keep something and not every single one, but many. So just, these are just some of the things to be careful about. Yeah. So take a few extra cookies, get your money's worth and ask those questions. (laughs) But also it doesn't mean that you don't need insurance maybe, or something like that, but just get the advice from somebody that doesn't benefit from it. And then, and then they can help provide you some good people that give you what you need. So, um, I think sometimes people listen to people like me and they go, Oh, you know, life insurance is terrible or all insurances, but no, they are good solutions for the right people, but they don't mean they're the solution for everybody. And not everyone needs the same one. Yes, so. exactly. And if the first thing they're saying is, yo, you need life insurance, but they don't know anything about your yeah. life, that's probably a red flag. You're like, hey, Winnie, oh, you got, oh, you have student loans, okay, whatever. Well, let's start with life insurance. <laughs> right, you need life insurance. Let's start with, wait, oh, you don't have an, you didn't, oh, you're, you haven't budgeted? That's okay. You can afford life insurance. No Just worries. whatever, figure it out. Like, that the doesn't worst. work. No, that doesn't work. Yeah. Ever, ever. No. And if, yeah. if you're a financial planner that does that, do better. Like, come on. <laughs> That's pretty rough. Yeah. yeah. I love this conversation, though. I think it brings up a lot of, yes, controversy, but points that need to be talked about so that people can start to figure out what's best for their lives. I think that's everything. And I'm really, really honored that you took the time to chat with us and to share some of that, even though we might get angry emails. I kind of doubt it. But if we did, it was probably worth it. I know. You know what? Listen, I I know that there's good apples and everything. I know that there's bad apples and everything. So that's usually the, the pushback I receive is, hey, we're not all bad. You are right. You're not. But my problem is, is that everywhere has bad. And so I'm doing my job the best that I can to protect the majority of teachers out there. Until you can tell me that those people are not walking on campus and doing that, I won't stop. So if you can tell me that for sure that isn't happening, then I'll leave it alone. We can stop having this conversation, but something has to change and who's going to do it? You know, so the the idea is grassroots and we're going to educate the teachers the best way we can to protect themselves. Unfortunately, that's the best we can do. So I'm not mad at everybody promise. I know some great, I know some fabulous people in the commission field. I know some fabulous people in many different fields. So I'm not mad at everybody. I actually really respect some of those people. So I'm not mad. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. I think there's definitely times and places for all of those different products and all the different offerings. And in some cases, they make perfect sense. But in a lot of cases, it's, as you mentioned, it's nobody's a cookie cutter. We need to be treated with as an individual, this is our exact situation and what's going to be best for us. So I concur, my friend, I agree with you 100%. And I'm not in the industry. So I can actually say that without the backlash as much. <laughs> I know, I know. I yeah, I mean, I the last thing I'm gonna do is make anybody mad. But we need we need change. We need some we need something to happen. And um, like I said, all I care about is transparency. Stamp the price mm-hmm. on the front page. It keeps us all at a decent, you know, apples to apples level. People know what they get. Yeah. This could this could go away. You know, some of this could go away. 
Agreed. So I totally yeah. agree. Such a good conversation. Before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Uh, I told you before, I'm really bad at this, but I'm open. <laughs> I'm game. I'm game. I'll, you know what? Practice makes perfect. So let's do this. It does. I always feel like <laughs> such a jerk because people are like stressing them over here like, ha ha. I'm sweating. I'm sweating. <laughs> no, don't, don't sweat. It's good. It'll okay. be fun. Okay. So my first question for you is what is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Oh, what if I bought recently that made my life better? This is so bad. I'm going to be really cheesy and say, oh gosh, no, I know it. It's like sitting back there in my mind. I've got it it's on the tip of my tongue. Here's the deal. My big thing right now is adventures with my kids. So I'm just going to like pitch it to that and say like doing that kind of stuff with them has, is putting my money towards that has been the thing that makes my life better overall but I know there's something I bought recently that I was like, this is amazing. And I can't think of what it is. It's That's so okay. Good. If it hits you later, let me know. Oh, but... my little ice chest that I could take in the car. Like when I go on my little road trips with my kids, I fill what? it up. What? and it's Yeah, it's so silly. What it's is this beach. thing? It's just the beach ice chest. You know, the one every year I look at what all the cool people around me take to the beach or camping because I camp <laughs> and go to the beach a lot with my kids. Awesome. And so I'm always like, what cool thing do they have? Because I'm not the big go to Costco and get the hot new item kind of person. So I look at what they have and I watch like, okay, does that make sense to get something like that? And so I got one for myself. It's just a little ice chest. It's nothing. It literally is just to go to the beach, but I've been putting it in my front seat on road trips for the kids that and a, a card game. I forgot. I just bought the exploding kittens card game, kind of pricey, but I have not laughed so hard in my life. Like as I did last week. Yeah. Exploding kittens. It's silly unless you really kind of get how to play with it and you're with a fun group. I would say those are the, those are the two things, the item material, material, right? Like the material is like the, the experiences of my kids totally worth the money. So fun. Okay. Well, I've got some notes now. I'm going to go check out exploding kittens. (laughs) Look, as I talk, I just come up with more, get the party edition. It's more expensive, but you could play with more people and it has like better cards. Okay. Good to know. Awesome. (laughs) Noted. I'm going to try it. I'll let you know how it goes. (laughs) Okay. Give it a few tries. It's like, you need a budget. You need a couple chances at it. (laughs) You need two months before it gets right. You need two months. Yeah. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. So my next question for you is I am just obsessed with people's morning routines. I just find those so interesting. So what is your current morning routine? Chaos. Uh, no, (laughs) I actually, um, just recently. So my husband and I have separate schedules kind of not really, but like he's a morning person and I am a better conversationalist at night. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying my best to wake up early because I don't get a lot of work done at night. I'm not good at that. So I've been trying to wake up early. He hooks me up with some coffee and I can get some work done pre kids waking up. So I'm fresh, got a, a good amount done. So even no matter what the day throws at me, I know that I got a few good things done. So I've been trying to do that, um, but then it becomes chaos. The kids wake up and we're all <laughs> over the place. So if anyone can help me out with that, I'm game. Like, <laughs> I need all the help I can get. Can't help you there. <laughs> Can't help you. What time are you waking up now? What time are you trying to? Um, like 5, 5.30. Oh, very so, early. Okay. Yeah, and then I wake I, – I was trying to do a little bit earlier, but about 5, 5.30, I can get like a good hour, hour and a half in, and then I start – you know, people start wrestling and getting up and, you know, kind of move on with the day, but – like I said, no matter what happens, I know that, okay, at least I got an hour, hour and a half of good stuff done. Yeah, it matters though. It makes such yeah. a big difference. That's awesome. And I'll even, I'll even put it on my calendar for that time in the morning. So I'm reminded, because in the morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, what day is today? So I'll look at my calendar and go, those are the things I needed to do this morning when I woke up, just to kind of kick my brain in gear. Do you do, you set that up the night before? Sometimes the night before, usually it is the night before, sometimes a couple days, just depends on what it is. Love it. Okay. So my next question for you is what is one location you're dying to travel to? Ah. Uh, Machu Picchu always seems really cool. I'll be honest though. And I don't, this is kind of silly, but, um, I used to be, when I was working for other people, I was really big about that one week, big hurrah. Um, but now that I kind of have my own thing, yes, I reap the consequences if I'm not here enough. So you have to be careful with that. Um, but I like the quick little three days with my kids and that just does it for me. I don't need to go do those huge, massive 
big to do's anymore. So, and, and so now I'm pretty open-minded. I'm up for whatever. That's so (laughs) So cool. I just like to go random. So we'll do like a quick little road trip here. We'll go camping over here. And that just scratches the itch. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, That makes it a lot more enjoyable too. If you can do that more frequently. Yeah. And my big, my big thing. So next year, and we've done this twice before is we do a six day fishing trip. Um, it's something my husband and I did with a couple of our friends. And so we live on a boat for six days and we fish and it sounds like you who wants to do that, but you literally get to be in a place that nobody is in a little ponga and go off to islands that nobody inhabits and see whales and dolphins and everything. And so it's not just fishing. It's also just seeing really cool parts of the world. And so that's our big thing for next year. Where, where do you do that at? Uh, we leave out of San Felipe, Mexico, and then you go down, uh, I think it's like the Midger Islands or whatever it's called. You go down and, um, so you sleep, they take you down and then you kind of slowly work your way up, but you catch your own bait. You do a squid fish night. It's, I, I can't so explain fun. it. It's insane. It's so cool. And it's like half to one third of the cost of going to Alaska to go salmon fishing. Like it's so, yeah. Worth it. <laughs> and they feed you and it's, it's insane. Oh Granted, I did it when my pre-kids. So let's see if I can still hang. I have no clue. You can definitely still hang. You got this. Yeah, yeah, I've got it. Totally got it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I keep telling myself. I'm talking myself into it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get that. I do. Yeah. Um, okay. This is – that's hilarious. Um, last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Oh, gosh. Um, it's so funny. I get asked this a lot, and I'm like, let me think about it. Like, I don't have the same answer. I tr- – <laughs> I truly believe that you have to know what in the world you're doing everything for. Like, why are you saving the money you're saving? Why are you picking that thing over there? Why are you spending it this way? Why are you doing those things? So I really do believe in that, like cheesy saying, you got to find your why. You really do. Because if not, you're just kind of throwing the dart, right? So I, I think you have to really hone in on why. And that answers so many things. So I find this out the longer I work with people, I really truly understand who they are and then I can give them better advice versus just saying, I kind of have to make a blanket because I don't know your behavior. I don't know why you're doing what you're doing. So it's always that why. And then I love a good, I love for success. So this is kind of two. I love creating policies for yourself. So when I get a windfall or that tax return, I just kind of wasn't expecting because maybe it didn't get planned right. This is the game plan versus, oh, cool, I got money. How can I spend it? You know, like you already yes. have, you already have your policy of anytime an extra dollar comes in, this percentage goes here, this goes here, this goes here, because then you're an automate. Sorry, I've got three automate. This is good. <laughs> yeah. I love automating. Like I realize even for me, I need that because taking that extra step to click, like just could take you away from it and you get distracted with life. So automating, um, savings that, you know, you're going to do all the time, just, it gets it out of your life. It's almost like a deduction out of your paycheck, right? Like think of everything else as your take home pay. Cause you automated that stuff out of your life. So, th- oh my gosh, three, sorry. No, that's like, that's like the financial success system. I love it. <laughs> that's your next ebook. No, oh, <laughs> that was awesome though. I really do appreciate your time and you sharing a little bit more about how teachers can navigate all these nuances. I think it definitely made it a lot more clear for me and I'm sure for any of the teachers listening and they'll be so grateful that you took the time to share. Where do people go to learn more about you, my friend? Yeah. So the podcast is 1 million apples. It's on iTunes and all those great places. Um, there is a website, 1 million apples.com. We do have the private Facebook community for teachers only. So you can talk about your money there safely without feeling like someone's there lurking in the you know shadows it's there. Um, and I literally will give like, I'm going to start doing assessments on the podcast too. So you can call in and do some anonymous, like legit, you can see, you know, here's what we do. And, you know, here we'll give you advice, basically an assessment on the podcast. That's the podcast stuff. My firm is wealth of confidence. That's the website. I'm on Twitter. It's my name. That's hard to spell and pronounce. So forget it. Um, and then Instagram. So I'm all over the place. It's just, (laughs) I love it. I love it. I know your podcast is awesome. I'm not a teacher, but I've been really digging it. So I think it's really great. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, yeah, I am definitely not a podcast expert. I just play one on. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're having a good good job. (laughs) We're having a good time. I learned so much. And yeah, if anyone listening is like, I have this cool killer thing that teachers have to know please let me know. I want to have you on. Like I found somebody that does grant writing in order to travel for free as an educator. That blows my mind. So 
let me know. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. And let me know too. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, Brianna, I really do appreciate your time. It was so much fun and I know it was valuable. So thank you again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. What'd you think? I love this episode. I thought it was such an interesting conversation. I particularly liked, that's a hard word for me to say, the conversation that Brianna had about teachers and how their situation is different than other people and how they're often preyed upon. I didn't even realize that was the thing. So that really stood out to me and made me want to go send this to every one of my teacher friends so that they don't get taken advantage of as well. Super interesting stuff. I hope you enjoyed it as well. If you did, leave a review. Leave a five-star review. Tell me what you liked about this episode. And then make sure you tell Brianna as well. You can tag her on Instagram all over the place. If you just type in her name, you'll find her. I promise. But thank you again. I appreciate you tuning in. And I will see you on Friday for 5 Tip Friday or next week for another episode of the Money Nerds Podcast. Bye. Bye.